All right, welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. As you can notice, I was struggling a little bit on that because I've been struggling with my voice here for about a week now. But tonight, uh, we're back here. I'm Frank Goodman. And Martha. And Pastor James. Look, I want to thank both of you for being patient with me and taking off the week to allow me to kind of build some strength again. The last time we spoke, we talked about Dr. Martin Luther King. We were trying to explore how we should recognize his birthday to include the sacrifices of those who were with him in the civil rights movement. We didn't get a chance to finish that particular episode, so let's catch up by delving into what is missing. How should we approach the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, recognizing the civil rights movement, where we were and where we are? How should we continue to recognize this holiday? Any one of you? If I go first, I, we have to recognize his legacy and what he stood for. He stood for nothing. He stood for it for all. Uh, he, he gave us an opportunity to dream. And I believe every generation has to raise up those who are going to carry the who's going to carry the torch, who's going to be a voice. I think what's missing now is we don't have a voice. We don't have those who speak of what he done and the life he lived and the challenges he faced by trying to get things done. Him marching all over the land, going to the White House. He did so much and, and the monuments and the different Things that have been honored in his name. I don't. I don't think we do a good job in our communities by focusing on his legacy and all the things he tried to do as a group, not himself. The holiday is for him. But as you said, Frank, there's so many pioneers, there's so many that graced the roster with him that made sure things went. In the event of something happens, and that we gotta learn to pass that baton. We gotta learn to raise up young men and women to be uh, to be activists, to be civil right focused, and to have a voice and know that people uh, fought, bled. That we have the right to have that voice and the right to vote. And that's my standpoint on that, recognizing him. I agree with that. But I also think that we don't have a clear understanding of how Martin Luther King's struggle started and where he ended up at. Because when he started out, it was just the boycott to get people to ride on a bus. But over time, 
that struggle became greater and he saw it differently toward the end that it was not just about a civil right, but it was about a human right. And I think we haven't recognized and picked up that baton to move toward that human right. Mm -hmm. That's what I think his ultimate goal would have been for us, to recognize that until we achieve human rights and full citizenship, that we will not have equality. We have to make sure that the young people understand the struggle a little bit differently than they do. And there are lots of groups out there that are working hard and trying to make sure that they are a voice for our people. Mm -hmm. But I think collectively, we need to support their efforts, and we need to also let them know that this is not the first time that this struggle has happened that they are picking up the mantle and they're standing on the shoulders of giants that had done the same work that they're doing but hadn't reached full human rights. And if we had reached human rights, we wouldn't have to fight as hard as we're doing today instead of repeating it. So I think you're right. We have to start uh, recognizing his contribution and recognizing what his vision was. I don't think we're clear all the time on what Martin's vision in the end was. Yeah, I agree with both of you on that. I I think that we have to go back to the drawing board um, collectively as as people. Mm -hmm. Because I think all of us have the right intentions, whether it is picking up trash, whether it's deciding to go out and paint somebody's house, Regardless of what it is, I think the intentions are right. But I think during that period, they were less concerned about if the paint was peeling on the wall Mm -hmm. or if the trash was gathering on the street. Right. They were concerned about equal rights, whether they missed the boat on saying human rights. And they were concerned about how disparate the treatment was. Mm -hmm. And so we're still arguing and we're still dealing with that disparity. We're still dealing with the disparity of how people are being treated. We're still grappling with those things that were that he was talking about. I don't think that we've accomplished any of those things. I don't think that we've got to the point where we say it's all a, a minor situation because we've moved past those things. Well, one of the things that I recognize that's different is that Martin and other groups at that time hmm. had a training ground, and they trained people on what they should do and not do. That's true. And I don't think we have that training ground quite the same way. That's true. And maybe we need to go back to that so that people are coordinated better and that training ground will give them the foundation they need to be more successful. We're doing it spontaneously, Mm -hmm. but Martin actually had a training ground. 
and people learned how to behave and how when how to resist and how to be nonviolent. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten all of those things. But his his message carried weight. Let's look at the dynamic on how we was back then and was now. Every household had leadership men, had a mother, a father, and they was responsible for raising their children compared to now. Look back then where you had no choice but to go to church, but you had a value-based system, whether in now, children have no value-based Look back then where you saw children in the church in the age group of from infant till someone got grown. They was good. Look at church today, the absence of children in the church. So you said training ground. The church used to be the training ground. The church was where you got your value back. And now we don't have any. So I agree with you, but we got to go back to the basic. There is a basic of human rights, and it starts at home. And training your child, giving them an understanding on what's going on in the world, the community, and the voice that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave, that voice should still be alive and well today because of the work that he did all humanity. So, is Ben Crump the new voice? He's one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we shouldn't ignore Al Sharpton. He was trained by the same people that knew Martin. Mm-hmm. Al Sharpton is a force. Mm-hmm. There are many people out there that are a force. It's just that they are not, all of the groups are not united on the same page. And it's like we're fighting many battles as opposed to collectively forming an army to fight one single battle. Mm-hmm. That's the difference that I see having come through the period of Martin Luther King and now. Mm-hmm. You've got Black Lives Matter and they are doing a brilliant job. You've mm-hmm. got other organizations doing the equally brilliant job. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're not collectively together, united on one front for one purpose. The Civil Rights Movement brought different factions of people together to fight for one thing, mm-hmm. those civil rights. So we were operating as an army and doing battle on different fronts as a single army. Today, we are individual armies doing battle. I don't know if that's how you see it, but that's that's what I see. And I think that that is working against us in a way because instead of being a collective army with a major battle, we are like skirmishes here and there mm-hmm. until the next flare up. Right. We don't put the pressure on all the time. And if you have an army, then the army knows that it has to put the pressure on all the time to be successful and win the war. 
So maybe that is the difference. We, we, we got a chance to see during the civil rights movement consistent resistance. Mm-hmm. Consistent resistance. There was no laying down. We we don't have consistent resistance. No. We respond to an issue. It lasts for two weeks, and then we leave it alone. Yeah, until the next big flare-up, and then we get upset, and we scream about that, and then when that's died down, then we go back into being our quiet mode, and we don't have constant pressure. Uh So if you don't have constant pressure, why should there be any changes? Yeah. Why should somebody feel the need to change if they don't feel the heat? Uh Right. So, Pastor James, you were trying to say something? Yeah. <laughs> Just showing you on how I... Now, back back then, a community of pastors, it was on one of the... They had the same focus. They supported one. But look at today where everybody their own pastor. They, they don't have anybody else. Only concern their congregation. There's no meeting. There's no coming together. There's no bridge. It was one belief that if one gets more power, then they're going to be put at the bottom of the totem pole. A society has built this negative influence to where we feel like we don't need to come. But Dr. Martin Luther King's age was, no matter where he went, he had the support of pastors and leaders in the community. No where he went, they was all on board. So why can't we get that today? Nobody is on board. They got their own pockets, like y'all said, and they got their own agenda. There's not one agenda that we are to be together. Again, I'm just showing you how I get from then and now. Well, I mean, I agree with you. Martha, what do you have to say about that? Look, maybe we've gone away from a collective us to just I and mine. We are no longer collectively thinking about us as a group, but what I can do for myself and how I can get ahead. So we've gone away from being community-oriented and supportive of the community to being self-oriented. That's why you have I agree. people who can't come together because everybody's got their own agenda and they really have not the agenda at heart, which was the agenda of the community of the old community, but the agenda of self promotion. Hmm. So we need, to, we need to call it out for what it is. As long as we're selfish and self promoting, then we cannot collectively come together and we cannot think about what's good for the neighborhood because we're focused on what's good for me. You know, I, I'm thinking as as I listen to both of you, mm-hmm. and I think about my own neighborhood, right? And I pray for my neighborhood. I pray for my neighbors. Mm-hmm. But if I go out and I speak on behalf of my community, I am not speaking on behalf of my community because 
I don't even speak to my community. My community doesn't speak to me. I watch neighbors dodge to rush to get in their cars or rush to walk into their homes. We don't talk about political things. We don't talk about, about what affects us. So we know then when Martin Luther King arrived on the scene, each of those groups briefed him on what was affecting them. We can't do that effectively because you may not be representing your community. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think today, because of the gap that's going on, people are not representing the community. They might say they're representing the community, but maybe, in fact, they don't know the community enough to represent it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't live in the community, you can't represent it. If it's not your mandate to go into the community and understand the needs of the community, then you can't fight for the community. Mm-hmm. One of the things that appeals to me that I always see Reverend Al do is wherever he goes, he goes there and he learns about the community. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing of Ben Ben Crump. When you think about it, if he takes a case, he's going to understand the dynamics of that community before he takes that case. But we need to see there are certain commonalities that go across communities mm-hmm. that you can operate on those principles without being fully immersed in the community. But you have to understand that it's not about me and what I can do for myself. It's about what can I do for you? How can I help you? And Mm -hmm. I think we've gotten away from how can I help you? It's a rarity when somebody comes up and says to you, how can I help you? To me, it's a rarity. Sometimes you see people come up and say, well, what can you do for me? How can you help me? They're not asking how they can help you. Okay. And it's a two-minute mm-hmm. So on that point, Pastor James, you just released a new lesson. Mm-hmm. In that lesson, you talked about an archway that led to right. the church. Right. And the ivy covered up certain words of certain words on the archway until the power of the message was gone. Right. I, I'm kind of reflecting on that as I listen to you and Martha because I'm wondering have we lost too much of the message and even the organizations that we used to be able to depend on are those organizations too weak or have been weakened? How, how do you see that from the position of a pastor? I see it from the position of complacency. Many people have got complacency in thinking that we've achieved what needed to be achieved. 
how can Martin Luther King get what he needed to do? And they are complacent, thinking that the fight is over with. And the fight is never over with. Because when you become stacked, when you become complacent, as you, when I use archway uh, that said, I preach Christ crucified, and over time it grew over, and before you knew it, nobody was doing anything because nobody understood the message. And I believe we 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 failed to understand what Dr. Martin Luther King's message was, which was nonviolence, which was equality for all, equal rights. It's the same thing you said earlier when you brought it brought us to this point. We've forgotten about what's the purpose and what he for but he died and most people look at it just another holiday and forgetting the sacrifice that went along with the legacy that holiday that bears his name okay so Martha I consider you to be a freedom rider <laughs> yeah okay you are the living freedom rider you have that experience that Pastor James and I do not have. So based on what you did and how you participated, my nephew said, we're not our parents, we're not our grandparents, we're not living in the 20s. Are we too weak? Is the gap too broad? to where we can get to the basic functionality of the civil rights movement as we recognize Dr. King's holiday. Well, from the history that I have, what I recognize is that I think today people are disinterested. Mm -hmm. I was interested. I didn't know if I could help or not, but I was willing to make the effort to try. And what I did was I was young and did not understand the true dangers of what I was doing. I knew it was dangerous, yes, but I didn't know the degree. But I don't regret doing it because it taught me a lot about what you can do if you make an effort. But I think today, I. I could say the same thing. I didn't know what my parents went through in the 20s. I didn't know what my mother went through growing up. But I knew enough to know that the treatment that she had to endure was inhumane and that if there was anything that I could do in my lifetime to make that situation less so, then I was going to try. That's the difference. She didn't know that I went freedom riding. She probably would have killed me if she knew. Hmm. And she died not knowing that I did that. Because one, I didn't want to worry her. And number two, I didn't know if I had the metal to do what I wanted to do. And I found out that I did have. It takes a certain skill to do those things. And it takes a love of people and a love of your people. My people, I love them. Good and bad or whatever they've done, 
they're still my people. And I'm going to do whatever's in my power to make their children and their grandchildren have a better place. That's the reason why I took the challenges in my life. I was the first to integrate schools like you were. I was the first to be in a job that was high-paying job, high-power job. And it was a benefit because I could see people who came behind me had it easier because of the efforts that we put out as being the first. We need more of that. Not disinterested, well, I'm not going to march. I just want to sit in my easy chair and I will give my support monetarily through some organization, but I'm not going to put boots to the ground. Wars are not fought that way. Even today, at some point, you have to have troops. Yeah. So and I think we've been with people that don't know understand war. Yeah. They haven't lived on war, so they have no idea what a soldier does. Okay. So here we are. I, I, we have to close it. We reached that ending point. Again? Uh, yes. I, I've really learned a lot this evening listening to you and Pastor James. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to ask you all to come back because I'm leaving this particular session saying I think we've been bamboozled. We've been given enough room. And I I didn't want to say given enough room to hang ourselves, but we've been given enough room to be distracted. Right. And I think we've yep. run out of things to do to effectively commemorate that period and to understand. Right. So I'm going to end, and I'm, I want to thank you all. I want to thank the guests. And on behalf of us, I want to say to our audience, we love you. We love you. Love you. And until next time, we're going to say, be good. Be good. good.